If you're tired of these promos, supporters get the podcast early and ad-free. Just go to donate.bogosity.tv for the links to sign up. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of September 12, 2021. The podcast that invented the circular time machine. This is your host, Shane Killian. Let's acostricate the news of the bogus. One of the controversies about COVID-19 is where the virus that causes it, SARS-CoV-2, originated. In all probability, the virus, which traces its ancestry to bats in China, was transmitted to humans from animals, probably a pangolin, sold at the Wuhan marketplace. However, there was always a chance it was the result of a lab escape. Aside from the kookier ideas that it was genetically engineered to cause a pandemic, there's the more probable idea that it was developed in a lab to study the coronavirus and then escaped accidentally via an infected worker at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. Both the first SARS as well as MERS are evolutionary adaptations of bad coronaviruses that managed to transfer to humans with fatal consequences. So it stands to reason that of course virology labs would want to study that. After all, it happened twice before, it could happen again. And this work could help in our understanding of pandemics and help if, or more likely when, such an event happened again. You don't want to be the guy who let it escape, causing the very pandemic you were trying to avoid. The main problem is the Chinese cover-up early in the pandemic. A lot of information about how COVID happened is lost, perhaps forever. More recently, there's been renewed interest in the possibility the gain-of-function research into bat coronaviruses could have led to a lab escape that started the pandemic. Most famously, Senator Rand Paul grilled Anthony Fauci about gain-of-function research, and Fauci insisted that no such research had been funded by the NIH or the U.S. government. But now, over 900 pages of documents released to the public via a FOIA lawsuit from The Intercept have shed light on the research that Fauci claimed never happened. The U.S.-based EcoHealth Alliance, whose president, Peter Daszak, also insisted never funded gain-of-function research, used millions of dollars of federal money to fund research into bat coronaviruses at the WIV. It covers the entire course of the research, from the initial grants to updates that went on through the start of the pandemic. Some of the work involved screening existing bat coronaviruses for novel strains that could threaten humans. They even went as far as to keep records of field researchers who had been bitten. It's unknown whether EcoHealth or anyone else still has those records. And yes, they were performing gain-of-function research. According to Richard Ebride, molecular biologist at Rutgers University, quote, The viruses they constructed were tested for their ability to infect mice that were engineered to display human-type receptors on their cell. While they were working on SARS-related coronavirus, they were carrying out a parallel project at the same time on MERS-related coronavirus. And both projects resulted in strains of coronavirus capable of infecting human cells. I want to make one thing clear before we continue. None of this is direct evidence for a lab escape rather than a zoonotic origin for SARS-CoV-2, but it is direct evidence that Fauci, Dajok, and NIH Director Francis Collins have knowingly lied about the U.S. government's role in funding this gain-of-function research. Molecular biologist Alina Chan said that these documents are a good reason to take the lab leak theory seriously. Quote, In this proposal, they actually point out that they know how risky this work is. 
They keep talking about people potentially getting bitten, and they kept records of everyone who got bitten. Does EcoHealth have those records? And if not, how can they possibly rule out a research-related accident? I wish that this document had been released in early 2020. It would have changed things massively just to have all the information in one place, immediately transparent, in a credible document that was submitted by EcoHealth Alliance. Senator Paul tweeted, Surprise, surprise, Fauci lied again, and I was right about his agency funding novel coronavirus research at Wuhan. Ebright wasn't holding anything back either. In a lengthy thread on Twitter, he said, quote, The materials confirmed the grant supported the construction in Wuhan of novel chimeric SARS-related coronaviruses that combined a spike gene from one coronavirus with genetic information from another coronavirus and confirmed that the resulting viruses could infect human cells. The documents make it clear that assertions by the NIH director Francis Collins and the NIAID director Anthony Fauci that the NIH did not support gain-of-function research or potential pandemic pathogen enhancement at WIV are untruthful. If we didn't already have enough reason to want an investigation into this, we do now. And if not now, what would it take? If you're looking for a way to support this channel, but you don't have any spare cash and you can't stand ads, you can do so by generating your own cryptocurrency. Use the links at the bottom of the description to follow the link to odyssey.com to listen to the podcast and see all of my YouTube videos as well. Just watching videos will produce cryptocurrency for the creator and yourself. And since Odyssey is always monetized and never censored, you'll have no problem seeing all the videos from your favorite creators. You can also use the library credits you created Odyssey to tip creators and even purchase paid content. Earn library credits through various rewards, including daily view rewards and the number of shares and invites. And you can interact with creators in all sorts of ways, including like and dislike, comment, boost a post by supporting it, repost it, and share to other sites, all while earning crypto for the creator. Easily monetize yourself and your favorite creators using cryptocurrency without advertising. Use the link below to visit this channel on odyssey.com and see many of your other favorites there as well. I am constantly amazed at what goes through the minds of politicians and bureaucrats. In my home state of North Carolina, the Alcoholic Beverage Control has banned a beer from Flying Dog Brewery, their freezing season winter ale, because, get this, they think their beer's label is, quote, in bad taste. Apparently, they never read this little thing called the First Amendment. The label features a nude figure in front of a campfire with head charred black. Accompanying it are the words, Remember what it was like to feel your fingers? Us neither. Welcome to winter. You wake up, put on six pairs of underwear, then go outside to enjoy your eight minutes of daylight. So stack that firewood, crack open a freezing season, and tell seasonal affective disorder to go bleep itself. Yeah, it's cold outside, but inside, this warming winter ale always keeps the bonfire burning. Took me forever to figure out what the hell was wrong with this. I was wondering whether the Dixiecrat boomers in the ABC thought it was supposed to be blackface. Others have speculated it's the figure's nudity, although it's no more nude than Tweety Bird. In any event, it's blatantly unconstitutional, as the Supreme Court has said before. 
For example, in Matal v. Tam, the court found that the patent office couldn't prevent an Asian rock band known as The Slants from trademarking its name on the grounds that it's disparaging. Since then, Matal has been cited in cases against bans on blasphemous vanity plates, clothing brand names that are almost but not quite swear words, supposedly illegal Mexican food chains, and many more. This isn't the first time that state regulators have tried censoring beer and wine brands that are offensive to their delicate boomer sensibilities, including names like Kissing Cousins, Daddy Needs His Juice, and Beergasm. The only one they tried to explain was Polygamy Porter, which they told the brewery could not be sold in the state because polygamy is illegal. But first cousin marriages are legal, and they still banned Kissing Cousins. First Amendment attorney Mark Randazza, who is on the team representing Flying Dog, said, quote, The North Carolina government thinks it can get away with calling something in bad taste and thus restricting commerce? We're not okay with that. If you're on the Wi-Fi in a coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home, and don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Cox Communications is continuing its battle against the big record labels who want them to disconnect people that they claim are pirates, absent any court action, and without giving the person any form to appeal. A Virginia jury held Cox liable for pirating subscribers because it failed to terminate accounts after repeated, unfounded assertions from the record labels. They ordered Cox to pay a ridiculous $1 billion in damages. Cox has appealed to the Fourth Circuit, arguing that it's incorrectly being held liable for subscribers we don't even know are pirating. They also warned against the harm caused by a digital death penalty. Quote, Plaintiffs do not deny it. If the judgment is affirmed, ISPs will be required to terminate any internet connection accused of infringement just once, exiling anyone using that connection, infringer or not, on pain of crushing damages. They want to replace the flexible, fault-based doctrines of secondary copyright liability with notice and terminate or else. They say that the record company's claims that have profited from the piracy are laughable because they didn't do anything except pay for the same high-speed connections as all other subscribers get. They also point out that it will be impossible to keep an eye on the activities of 6 million account holders as a liability finding would require. If you want to know how weak the record company's case is, their big retort is that Cox has terminated subscribers for failing to pay their bills. So that totes means they're profiting from piracy somehow. Quote, And terminate Cox did, just not for copyright violations. Its termination decisions were money-driven. 
In 2013 and 2014, Cox terminated over 600,000 residential and 20,000 business customers for non-payment, over 800 terminations a day. In Cox's view, the occasional termination for repeated and flagrant copyright infringement is downright monstrous. Termination for non-payment? Downright common. I mean, you just have to wonder at this point if it's self-parody. Just in case I have to point it out, there are several differences. One, they exist as a business, and all businesses terminate for non-payment. Two, it's Cox's property, local franchise agreements notwithstanding, and it's totally up to them who deserves to be disconnected and who doesn't. Three, non-payment can be proven, and Cox knows for certain who is paid and who hasn't. Four, if there is a mistake, the customer can appeal to Cox customer service. Five, the customer won't get terminated for not paying someone else's bill the way they'll be accused for the piracy actions of someone else on their Wi-Fi. And six, even if they've been properly terminated for non-payment, they can get reconnected by settling the bill, which is very different from the permanent termination the record industry wants. But other than that... So, did the power companies profit as well? The computer manufacturers? What about the manufacturers of large multi-terabyte hard drives? Who couldn't be blamed for piracy if this prevails? Do you have children? Or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling? Or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain or regulations passed in the name of safety and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now it's time to devocalize this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to the Connecticut law enforcement system, who apparently think the way to deal with criticism of their Leos is to file defamation lawsuits. Lieutenant Vincent Benvenuto has been given all the benefits, privileges, and protections that only police officers get when they behave horribly. But when commenters to the We the People Hartford blog pointed out that he was a bad cop, Benvenuto's fifis got all herded and he sued. One commenter said he, quote, was so racist they kept him out of Queens and the Bronx. Others accused him of sleeping on the job and making racist and threatening remarks. The lawsuit even implies that the comments were written by his fellow officers. But if his fellow officers are complaining that he's racist, isn't that a strong indication that he is, in fact, pretty racist? But despite the fact that none of these were written by the blog's owner, Kevin Brookman, Superior Court Judge Caesar Noble said that he could absolutely sue Brookman, Section 230 be damned. Quote, 
The accusation of racism is particularly offensive in the context of the Hartford Police Department, which must not only remain free from bias against its own members, but also the public at large. According to federal law, if commenters have defamed you, it's the commenters you sue. The only thing the blog owner is required to do is turn over any identifying information in response to a valid court order. But that is not what's going on. Instead, the court ordered Brookman to turn over his personal laptop and cell phone, presumably to go on a fishing expedition looking for bogus reasons to retaliate against him. As anyone with even a modicum of knowledge of how the web works knows, unless the website is actually hosted on his laptop, extremely doubtful, the information that would lead them to the identity of the commenters isn't there. It's at the data center where the server is located. In this case, it's actually on blogger.com, so they should be talking to Google, not Brookman. Brookman wrote, At no time did Hartford Police Lieutenant Vincent Benvenuto ever attempt to contact me to ask that I remove something that he found offensive or questionable. I have done that several times in the past, when someone would call me and say they thought a comment was unfair or baseless. It also seems a huge invasion that someone can tramp through my personal devices to settle a vendetta or for whatever reasons he wants to find out the identities of commoners. For example, both devices have medical information, banking information, and other personal data. Even though Google told the plaintiff that the information they are looking for is not available, and even their expert testified that it may not be available, the judge still issued his orders. It almost feels like Benvenuto has gained access to my home and is allowed to paw through my desk and file cabinet on his search to soothe his hurt feelings. Basically, expect an appellate court to return a finding of what the actual? So all of that makes Benvenuto, the Hartford lawyers, and the judge this week's biggest bogan emitter. I want to tell you about the eyeglasses I've been wearing for years. As people can see on my videos, I have a very strong prescription, which makes glasses more expensive, especially when I need computer glasses, reading glasses, prescription sunglasses, and most expensively, progressive lenses for general everyday wear. To save money while still getting quality glasses, I get them from Fermu. In fact, I just got a pair of progressives with high-index aspherical lenses and a nice pair of frames my wife loves for just over $100. It would have been $500 to get them through my eye doctor. Not only do they look good, the glasses are durable. I've worn many pairs for several years without problems. All orders come with a 30-day return policy, a 3-month warranty, and one-on-one -on -one customer service. Go to Firmu, that's F-I-R-M-O-O dot Bogosity dot TV, anytime you need quality glasses at a low price. Once again, that's Firmu dot Bogosity dot TV. And now let's lignify this week's... Idiot And this week it goes to the news media for spreading outright lies about a potential COVID treatment. When podcaster Joe Rogan was diagnosed with COVID, he told his doctor to throw the kitchen sink at it. The doctor responded with a cocktail of different treatments, at least one of which must have worked since Rogan recovered quickly and now feels no ill effects. One of them is the antiparasitic ivermectin, which has been used to treat various ailments in humans since 1981 and won its creators the Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine in 2015. 
It's on the WHO's list of essential medicines and is approved by the FDA and confirmed safe for humans. More than 100,000 prescriptions for ivermectin were written in 2018. But media outlets like CNN seized on this opportunity to try and denigrate Rogan and yet another potential COVID treatment. On CNN, Brian Stelter told Anderson Cooper, quote, When you have a horse deworming medication that's discouraged by the government that actually causes some people in this crazed environment we're in to actually want to try it, that's the upside-down world we're in with figures like Joe Rogan. Jim Acosta accused him of spreading COVID disinformation. Several other media outlets repeated the claim that Rogan was taking horse dewormer to treat COVID, including Rolling Stone, The Guardian, Insider, and Newsweek. It is true that ivermectin is also used in veterinary medicine to treat heartworm, but let's be absolutely clear about this. The form of ivermectin that Rogan took is not horse dewormer. It's formulated for and used by humans for all sorts of different ailments, including scabies and river blindness, as well as the skin condition rosacea, and is being studied as a potential treatment for yellow fever, malaria, and, yes, COVID-19. They're just pulling the food babe garbage. Look at an ingredient, find an alternative use for that ingredient, and pretend that's all it is. But Rogan didn't take horse dewormer any more than people at Subway were eating yoga mats. In any sense, ivermectin has repeatedly been shown to be safe for human use. Saying it hasn't been proven effective for COVID isn't saying much, since so far nothing has been proven effective for COVID if your criterion is passaged through all of the FDA requirements and approvals. You can't say it about anything, not even Regen Cove, the monoclonal antibody treatment. It's just been given an emergency use exemption from the FDA. That's the only difference. So Rogan is considering a lawsuit. On his podcast, he said, quote, Do I have to sue CNN? They keep saying I'm taking horse dewormer. I literally got it from a doctor. It's an American company. They won a Nobel Prize in 2015 for use in human beings. And CNN is saying I'm taking horse dewormer. They must know that's a lie. What they didn't highlight is that I got better. They're trying to make it seem like I'm doing some wacky shit that's completely ineffective. Other outlets piled on. Vice News claimed he's a shill for ivermectin and profits from it somehow. Rachel Maddow claimed that Rogan's misinformation was resulting in hospitals being backed up with horse dewormer overdoses. She tweeted, Patients overdosing on ivermectin backing up rural Oklahoma hospitals, ambulances. The scariest one I've heard of and seen is people coming in with vision loss, he said. The he in question is Dr. Jason Makalea, who was making the claim about a single hospital, Northeastern Health System Sequoia, but his only affiliation there was being part of a medical staffing group that provides emergency room coverage, but he hadn't worked there in over two months. Moreover, they say they have treated zero patients due to complications of taking ivermectin, including overdoses. They denied they had to turn away any emergency patients. Moms Demand Action, never one to let a good lie go to waste, modified the claim to say that gunshot victims were being turned away from emergency rooms because of all the ivermectin overdoses. I mean, seriously? I shouldn't have to explain to you that no sane person would think that's true for a single moment, right? But according to the hospital, no one even bothered to call them up and ask them about it before sending out these viral stories. Other outlets picking up the story were the New York Daily News, The Hill, 
Newsweek, The Daily Mail, and many others. Drew Holden has all the receipts about this in a Twitter thread linked in the show notes. Holden tweeted, I just really don't understand why seemingly real news outlets didn't bother to even look into this story before they pushed this narrative. Didn't it sound odd? Wasn't it worth investigating? Maybe a single phone call? It should go without saying, but inventing a narrative out of thin air simply because it confirms to your priors is not going to help rebuild trust in the media. It would have taken a single phone call to shoot this story down. Why didn't that happen? And the same people who purport to be concerned about misinformation and how it spreads on platforms like Twitter will surely be silent on this. Where's the gnashing of teeth from the disinformation reporters? Where are the Twitter content warnings? Where's the outrage? You won't hear any. Because this is the acceptable type of political lie. And none of these people or outlets will learn anything. They'll keep doing this because they care more about scoring cheap dunks on their opponents than getting the truth. Hey, people, if you hate being called fake news, how about you, oh, I don't know, stop being fake news? As for ivermectin, here's the results of a meta-study published in the medical journal OFID. The results are compelling. They identify a clinically significant benefit in pooled estimates for most of their selected outcomes. For example, they estimate a mean reduction in time to viral clearance of 3 days, a reduction in time to clinical recovery of 1.5 days, a reduction in duration of hospitalization of 4.3 days, and 56% reduced risk of mortality. Notably, their studies remain largely similar after excluding studies at high risk of bias. And although the included studies do not overlap, their results are largely consistent with many, but not all 20, other meta-analytic evaluations of ivermectin conduct by other groups. Even the most ardent skeptic should be given pause by this data. There are limitations in this meta-analysis, and one of the studies they looked at has since been retracted, so they're going to publish a re-evaluation. I don't know if it's one of the ones they excluded for bias or not, but this is just one of many studies and meta-analyses on the subject. Although they range from inconclusive to showing a small benefit, they all say that large-scale clinical trials are needed to know for sure. So suffice it to say that there are very prominent physicians, experts, and journals who don't think the idea of treating COVID with ivermectin is so crazy. Did ivermectin play a role in Joe Rogan's recovery? There's no way to know. Maybe it didn't. I'll even go out on a limb and say, probably it didn't. The monoclonal antibodies probably played the biggest role, but he also took Zithromax, prednisone, and other treatments. It may well be that the ivermectin had no effect at all, but there's no justification whatsoever for spreading this fear-mongering about it, and certainly no justification for referring to it solely as horse dewormer. I mean, if nothing else, what does that do to people who take ivermectin for the things that it is proven effective for? Isn't it a problem to give them anxiety over the fears that their doctor accidentally gave them a drug for horses, potentially making them afraid to take the medicine they need? Why is no one mentioning that potential problem? So all of that makes the news media this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this I've Already Had Personality Hassles from a Complete Stranger Today edition of the Bogosity Podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to donate.bogosity.tv for several ways to support and discord.bogosity.tv to join the discussion. 
subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar, and you can listen early and ad-free. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Edward Snowden. The problem of fake news isn't solved by hoping for a referee, but rather because we as participants, we as citizens, we as users of these services help each other. We talk, and we share, and we point out what is fake. We point out what is true. The Bogosity Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution on Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now.